moment. Bringing your attention fully into this here and now. Perhaps noticing, hearing, subtle sounds coming and going. Subtle and not so subtle sounds coming and going. Hearing this expansive awareness that gives us a taste of the effortlessness of mindfulness, of awareness. You don't have to do anything. Sounds arise and pass away, and they're known. Hearing happens spontaneously. And then allowing the attention to be drawn into the body, our physical form. Sitting. If you wish, scanning from the top of the head down. Noticing any areas of tension that you may wish to invite to relax. the eyes, forehead. The face and jaw. Neck and shoulders. A light invitation to relax. chest and abdomen to soften. Feeling contact with the cushion or chair and the floor beneath us, the earth. feeling how the earth supports us so that we can relax into our moment-to-moment experience just as it is. Body sitting. Perhaps noticing the hands, sensations in the hands. Noticing the idea or concept of hand. Noticing the direct experience of hand, perhaps warmth, tingling, pressure.
And if you wish, allowing your attention to be drawn to the movement of the breath. Noticing where you feel this movement clearly and in a manner that feels neutral, meaning that there's some willingness to let it be just as it is. So perhaps noticing the rising and falling movement of the abdomen. Noticing the idea or concept of breath. And then seeing if we can connect with the direct experience of breath. Movement, expansion, contraction, stretching. not trying to fit it into some kind of box, but fully curious, what is a breath? Curiosity with a light touch. Open-ended. What is a breath? Some people help find that a soft mental note helps with this connection to the direct experience. And if so, you can use it. A little whispered word in the mind directing us to the experience itself. So with the breath, it may be rising, falling, in, out, very light touch. Most of our energy going into the experiencing of the sensations themselves. And then other experiences will arise which are included in our practice. Thinking. We may find that a period of time passes and we've been lost in thought and then there's a moment when we wake up. When awareness is re-established. Some people like to make a mental note thinking to clarify that moment. It's a great moment. Sometimes we tend to follow that moment of awakening with a moment of judgment for thinking. I prefer to appreciate that moment. We're here. We're awake. Just thinking. Perhaps hearing calls our attention, and we can notice this, hearing. 
re-anchoring with the breath. If we find our attention is lost or confused, Other sensations in the body may call our attention, become predominant in the foreground. And we can allow our attention to settle with these other area, or this other area of sensation, with curiosity. Maybe pleasant sensation, fluttering, tingling. Maybe unpleasant, aching, burning, itching. If there's energy, we can Be curious, what is this experience beyond our ideas of it? There may be pain in the shoulders, so we have this idea of what that is. But what's the experience itself? Perhaps burning aching, tightness. What happens as we're with it? Does it get stronger? are weaker, shift, go away, change. Is it possible to let it be as it is, or is there reactivity in the mind-heart? If it's unpleasant, perhaps a wish for it to go away. Just curious, not making any particular experience the right one, but developing understanding through our own direct experience of body. If it's pleasant, do we wish for it to stay? Or can we let it be knowing that it will pass at some point? in this very body, understanding deeply the Buddha's teachings about suffering and about peace. And if curiosity wanes, we can Come back to our anchor, settle the attention, rest the attention.
And lastly, as much as possible, we call forth the intention of kindness. Understanding that this practice is itself a deep act of kindness for ourselves. Learning for ourselves about suffering and peace.
If you wish, ending the sitting by taking a moment to appreciate your efforts. Whether things went the way you felt they should have or shouldn't have, you made your best effort and that can just be appreciated. It's a wholesome and beautiful thing. And appreciating each other for the support that we give, meditating together, our Sangha for this week. Good morning, yogis. Are there any questions this morning about the instructions or your practice here? Yes? Um, When you say focus on the breath and the abdomen, um, for me it tends to become very blissful and like an absorption thing. Is that not what you're going for? So the question was about when he tends to focus his attention um, on the abdomen, it becomes very blissful and kind of like an absorption, and is that what we're going for? Michelle last night talked about fixed concentration and uh, momentary concentration. So an absorption is tending towards more fixed concentration, which tends to be blissful, yes. Um, With Vipassana meditation, Uh, We aren't aiming towards that. We're aiming towards um, an attention that sees things as they are, which means that sees change. So my question would be, when you're with the um, abdomen, do you feel the sensations of the breathing? Okay, so, so there is some awareness of the change. That's great. Um, if bliss happens, you can note, notice bliss and notice what that experience is like in your body. Notice if it changes, becomes stronger, less strong. Um, so you can explore those experiences with uh, curiosity and clarity. That's what we're looking for. And... Um, and basically noticing how they change. Yeah. Thank you. Sometimes you can even use the noting. Sometimes that's helpful because it makes sure that you know what's happening. So note bliss, note rising, note falling. Anything else this morning? Any other questions? Yes. Hi. Um, I keep getting confused about the thinking part. Yeah. And I know that we're allowed to think and stuff like that, but not dwell in thinking. But I guess I'm confused about um, kind of not staying with thinking and, okay, so letting go of thoughts and repressing them. I'm not sure the difference. So the question was about thinking and... um, she knows that we're allowed to think, but she's wondering what's the difference between like, um, perhaps indulging in thought or repressing thought or being aware of thought. What's that whole territory, right? So we'll notice, all of you probably noticed that many times we, uh, you could say we, get, we call it getting lost in thought. Uh, some story comes up in the mind and... Um, 
we get lost in it because we actually believe that it's real in that moment. We don't, we don't, uh, we're not aware that we're thinking. That's what we call being lost in thought. And so you'll notice we can create these fantastic virtual realities and live through them. And then at some moment, we'll wake up, right? So some moment you go, oh, oh, I'm meditating. <laughs> and really it's that moment of waking up that, that we can be curious about. So we don't have to, it's not like we take a baseball bat and we slam the thought and say, get out of here, you're really, really bad, and I shouldn't have been thinking, which we do do sometimes, right? But we're trying to tend away towards that. But just to see what happens to the thought the moment you wake up and become aware of it. Does it go away? Okay, so then we watch that thoughts arise and they pass away. They're just another, you could say they're just another thing that happens in life. And it's impermanent, and it arises and passes away. We can also be super curious about what is the difference between being lost in a thought and being aware of a thought. Like when you're lost in a thought, how powerful are they? Super powerful. They're like, right? We can do all kinds of things because we're lost in thought. What happens when we're aware of thought? Is it so powerful? Is it so substantial? So we're actually, we want to understand the nature of thought. We under, want to understand uh, how it is, how it functions. So that's the curiosity piece that we bring in. And then if we find that like all of that is making us think about thoughts, then, then we keep it simple, we anchor, just come back to the anchor. So, that, so this exploration I'm talking about, we want a certain simplicity to it. It's not like thinking about the thought so much. It's just that moment that you wake up, notice, notice thought, and notice what's it like to wake up out of thought. Notice if you judge yourself. It's really automatic sometimes. Oh, thinking, judging, bad yogi. No, it's just another thing that happens. As I said in the sitting, I think it's a great moment. It's yippee. <laughs> I'm here. We're here. We're awake. It's like wonderful. Um, and, and the more that happens, sometimes the more that happens, the more discouraged we get. Oh, lost in thought again, lost in thought again. But actually, the more that happens, the more present you are, the less time you're spending lost. So it's great. It's great if it happens many times in a sitting, that waking up moment from being lost in thought. Yes. Um, the, is the peace in this practice freedom with experience or from? With the experience of? Freedom with the experience or from the experience? The question is is the freedom in this practice the freedom with the experience or freedom from the experience? I would go with freedom with the experience. We're, uh, we're not trying to get rid of anything. We're trying to connect with things just as they are. And we're, 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 we're actually expanding the capacity of the heart and the mind to connect with life. And as Michelle said last night, life is it's, it's pretty wild ride. It's pretty intense being a human being. And in order to manage that intensity, sometimes we very much, we narrow the heart and mind and what we're willing to connect with. And with meditation practice, we're, we're um, expanding that capacity to be with whatever arises, to be with whatever arises with a balanced and kind attention. You could say then the heart and mind get bigger and bigger, right? It's very, yes, at some point the, the wisdom and love come together, the, the equanimity or capacity of the heart and mind to hold experience. That's pretty much the same as the inclusivity of love, right? Love excludes nothing, love includes everything. And we'll find in a normal day of practice that there will be times when, when 
there is a, a greater capacity to be with what's happening, and then there's going to be times when we need some rest, and it's too intense, and then we anchor, or maybe we distract ourselves for a while, and then um, when the energy comes back, then we, we, we can be curious again. Curiosity is, is a great quality to bring to meditation. It, it really combines acceptance and interest. When we're curious, there's a kind of acceptance there, right? It's not like, oh, this shouldn't be like this, or this should be like this. There's just like, oh, what is this? What is this? What is this being human? What is this human body, our home? Any other questions this morning? Yes. So the first question was about emotions and when an emotion comes up, she feels it in the body, right? And a little concerned if that might be too much kind of openness, too much letting too long a leash, I think you said, for the mind. That sounds great, actually. Um, Emotions, you may have noticed, are also part of this human experience and often a very challenging part of the human experience, if you notice that an emotion becomes predominant, and we'll talk more about this probably tomorrow or the day after, but if you notice that an emotion becomes predominant, feeling it in the body is one of the best ways to be with it with balance. You'll notice that there's stories in the mind. That tends to be what fuels the emotion and, and gets kind of carried away and lost, is the stories. But if we can come back to the simplicity of feeling that emotion in the body, just being with it, that's great. That's expanding the capacity of the heart and mind to be with life. And and to do it only while there's interest. If the, if, if the interest starts to wane or there's a lot of reactivity to the emotion. At a certain point, it's good to actually also know how to move away from it. So to move away from the emotion and reground the attention with our anchor can be also really useful. So some emotions, if they come along and they, and they just grab us and take us down this uh, road, twisty, windy, dark road, uh, it's useful to say hello, anger, fear, and then... Uh, anchor away. So learning the strength also not to get uh, swallowed or um, dominated by, by emotions. So if there's curiosity, we can be with it, and the body's great. And if it's too much, we move away. And your second question was, you've heard some teachers say just to anchor with one experience, like just sound, just the breath, and, and it pretty much ignore everything else. Is that the instruction you were given? <laughs> to pick one for a given session. So again, if we pick just one object, we're, we're tending towards a more fixed concentration, our fixed uh, focus. We're suggesting a little bit of a hybrid, hybrid model. So we have our anchor as a place of refuge, safety, stability, resting, When another experience becomes predominant and calls our attention, we notice that. So that's not outside of our practice. We can sometimes get the idea, oh, being with the breath, that's practice. When I'm not with the breath, I'm messing up. The breath is just a tool, or the anchor is just a tool. That's all it is. It's a tool, resting place, way to help us um, gain some stability in practice. When other experiences arise, we notice them. Oh, that's thinking. Thinking's happening. Hearing. 
other sensations in the body. If it starts to feel too confusing to us, we can just come back to the anchor. Or if we find that we're getting lost a lot and spaced out, we can come back to the anchor. So the anchor is a tool, but we don't exclude what else happens. If there's a short question, I could take one more. Otherwise, anything else this morning? Yes. The question is, is there a place for the idea of personal progress? Did Michelle say, was it in this retreat or the last one? I think it was the last one. She talked about uh, checking our progress every five years. And I and I think that's about the right uh, that's that's good spacing <laughs> because otherwise, right? What happens is we check our progress twenty times in a sitting, right? <laughs> How am I doing now? Is this working? Am I enlightened yet? You know, and that just that just <laughs> you know? we especially tend to check our progress when we think it's going poorly, and then we judge that. Oh, I'm a horrible meditator. Oh, that's so much suffering, right? So um, it's actually sometimes called the hindrance of doubt, you know, that doubting like I'm not doing it right. And, and notice that if it comes up, you can even label it, oh, there's doubt. And, uh, and see if, if you don't have to let it take you over. Sometimes it might for a period of time, and then you'll wake up and you'll go, oh, that's doubt, okay. And then we start again. Sometimes it's okay at the end of a meditation retreat, you could look back on your retreat and you could say, what did I learn? That can be really useful. Or is this the right practice for me? Really useful. Um, but I wouldn't do it 20 times a sitting or after every sitting or, you know, yeah. And then, and then you can look at the five-year chunks. looks like a beautiful day for practice, so we have some chance now for walking practice. And uh, so walking practice, just a little review, we'll, we'll find a place, a pathway, and we can uh, walk back and forth at whatever speed keeps our attention. So again, we don't have to make, oh, if I'm creeping, I'm a good yogi, and if I'm walking fast, I'm not a good yogi. It's... it's, it's Find to find the tension that you're able to connect with what's happening. Mostly the the legs and the feet. Um, if the if walking, I know for me when I first started this practice, I hated walking meditation. It seemed interminably long. Um, one thing you can do is break it down into three speeds. Sometimes that helps keep the interest. So start out at a kind of normal speed, then do like a medium speed, then do a slow speed. And that can sometimes help us like keep connected with interest to what's happening. And if you're outside and, and if you're sleepy or restless, going outside is great. And, and if you're outside and you're and that's so beautiful here, you're at your standing and it's standing before you're about to walk. You can enjoy hearing, or seeing, smelling. So you can take in, you can take in the beauty here as a way to nourish yourself. It's a long day. Most of you would agree with that. And uh, at times we need a little bit of. Uh, encouragement for our energy so that getting outside is one way to get that and just taking in Um, you could say taking in the love of the earth the offerings the beauty sounds smells sights yeah and then uh, just a couple of announcements uh we have so appreciated how these uh two communities have been weaving together into one, right? The folks who stayed for a week and the new folks who came in. And we'd like to make a few uh, suggestions about how we can 
really nourish the container that we all have here of safety and protection. So one way is to take care with the uh, with doors, uh, closing, opening, and closing them uh, quietly. The folks who've been here for eight or nine days now. Uh, maybe a little sensitive, so it's a gift you can give to really take care with that. And uh, the noble silence, reminding that the noble silence includes uh, not gesturing to each other or not trying to get anybody else's attention. And I know, again, that this can feel a little strange if you're not used to it, but it's, it's a huge gift we give each other, the gift of solitude the gift of allowing people to just be with their own process. It's really beautiful, so encouraging that. And a reminder of cell phones should not be used, especially in the building. If you really need to make a call, it's very important. Please go far enough away from the building and from any yogis so that nobody will see or hear you. And then, you'll again, it's a gift you give to each other because if we hear somebody on the cell phone, then we think, oh, well... Maybe I should make a phone call. <laughs> you know, we're, we're so influenced by each other, right? So that would be a nice gift. And then in the hall, the um, etiquette uh, is to arrive on time for the sittings and to stay to the end unless there's uh, some kind of emergency. That, again, supports all of us. So today we have groups for all those who arrived uh, recently. And uh, if you're not on a group and you just arrived, please go to the office and let them know uh, because you should all be in a group. Yes. Okay. Okay, so Michelle's going to do a guided metta uh, at a little bit. It will be short for those of you who like the quiet, uh, at 4 o'clock, and then she'll do questions and answers, short question and answer period afterwards. So come to that if you'd like to. Keep going. Yeah. 